Are you running your bookkeeping firm or cash practice on spreadsheets and email? What if you could give your clients one place to answer questions about uncategorized transactions, send in their bank statements, track KPIs, and read reports you customize just for them? Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, Keeper, later in the episode. This is the first version of the product. So I think in just a few years, it's going to do the work of frontline customer service representatives. It'll do the work of junior accountants, uh, auditors. I mean, you could you could probably use AI. Think about it. A third, a third of audits fail inspection, PCAOB inspection. Actually, it's over half on all counts fail PCAOB inspection. I bet you that an AI, if you just ingested the GL and all the source documents, could do a better job of auditing than most CPA firms in not too long. Coming to you weekly from the OnPay Recording Studio, this is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. Another week, Blake, you were, you were skiing the entire week, it feels like. That's all I saw was you in snow the whole week. Yes. Uh, I was very fortunate to be invited to a ski trip in Park City, Utah. Three days of skiing, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, came back Friday, and the timing was perfect. As we were getting there on Monday, there was a storm, snowstorm, and on Tuesday, we had 11 inches of fresh powder, and then three inches the next day. I haven't been skiing in 17 years, so I was really nervous, got back into it. I remembered what I, what I was doing, and by the end, I was skiing some black diamonds, Whoa, uh, just, I didn't know you yeah. were at this level. My assumption of your athletic abilities, Blake, is I played cello and I was in, I was in a bowling league. I didn't know, <laughs> know you were a black diamond skier. So we, we lived in Colorado until I was six, and I learned how to ski when I was four or five. And when you um, learn that young, it comes really naturally. It sticks, yeah. yeah Same with me by skating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I did it on and off, you know, in high school and in in college. And so, uh, yeah, it came back and felt really good. Technology is a lot better than it used to be 17 years ago. It's in the cloud now? (laughs) Well, you feel like you are because the skis are fat, they're wide, and they are uh, curved. And so it makes it really easy to control. And now people wear helmets, you know, I had to get used to that. We didn't have, we didn't wear helmets 17 years ago. You just hit a tree and you died. You know, yeah, now you have a chance of survival. Yeah, you didn't have seatbelts, right? You didn't yeah. have seatbelts or child safety seats. Yeah, the world's yeah. changed. I see that. Um, but it, it, it was a blast. And I was there with a bunch of accountants, 10 <laughs> firm owners. Well, it was eight firm owners and then one future firm owner, a freelancer who's building a firm. And then it was uh, me, the former firm owner. So I got to uh, be a part of that club, which was really fun. And so was this all necessary and ordinary? Uh, I mean, we had a lot of business discussions. We, we shared P&Ls. People were really vulnerable and opening up about that. And um, I talked about Earmark. I think actually the, the takeaway for me coming out of that meeting is we're going to raise money for Earmark. We're going we're to do an angel round for Earmark CPE. So That's exciting. I got the advice I needed, the, the encouragement I needed. And uh, yeah, we're going to take it to the next level. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So while you were, uh, you know, doing your Black Diamond runs here, unfortunately, I couldn't attend as well. And I stayed home and I launched us an Earmark a new podcast. So, yes. And we launched the Federal Tax Updates podcast in partnership with Paget Advisors. And 
it is currently on the charts right behind us. We're like number 23 and it is number 24 on the Apple Business News trending charts. And it had and it's been there since it's launched on Monday morning or sorry Tuesday. So, Congratulations, David. That is huge. So and I have been a, wanting to do this for we've been talking about doing this for two years now. A federal, federal tax, tax podcast. podcast yeah. yeah. And the, the beauty of it is that's what people need to stay current. I mean, that's the real technical stuff you need to know is the tax stuff in a lot of CPA firms. So we know that in high demand. And we can satisfy both NASBA CPE in the tax category, as well as IRS continuing education in the tax federal tax category. So if you go to Earmark and you download the app, just search Earmark CPE on the App Store, you can now get free IRS and NASBA continuing education credits for listening to that podcast. Now, I have a technical question. Can I, yes. If I listen to it and take the quiz, do I get a CPE certificate and get my IRS? Because I can be a CPA and an enrolled agent at the same time, right? You can, yes. So you'll get okay. your CPE certificate emailed to you, and then we report the continuing education to the IRS through their system at the end of every month. So, so it's so, killing two birds with one stone. Double up. Yeah. Y- you could listen to this show, which is every two weeks, and get... 24 CE credits for the IRS, which I think is uh, more than what you need. I think it's 20 a year for enrolled agents, I believe. You're asking this like, I know the answer to this. I do not know the answer. I I think that's why we decided to do it this way. And David, do you want to talk a little bit about the hosts of this show? Everybody can go to the website. It's federaltaxupdates.com. So the host, we have uh, Roger Harris and Annie Schwab. I think Roger's been at um, Paget and he's been deeply involved in tax stuff for over 35 years. And then Annie Schwab's CPA, and she's been working at Padgett for about a dozen or so, and she's had experience prior to that. But combined together, it's like 75 years of tax experience. And they've been featured, you know, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, all, all the, the big wig stuff. But they also work, have uh, t- uh, Rogers testified to Congress about small business tax legislation. I think uh, Padgett's on advisory boards to on the IRS. Um, I think somebody I talked to at Paget was like at the IRS this week. <laughs> and she was like, you know, so yeah, when I was texting with her, she's like, I'm at the IRS. I don't have Wi-Fi. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I see where we're at. There's no Wi-Fi yet at the, at the IRS. No, but no yeah, Wi-Fi at the IRS. Federaltaxupdates.com. Why does that not surprise me? Yes, federaltaxupdates.com. The first episode is out and the next one is coming soon. Um, enjoy. We hope you like it. And, and I and hope here, that show- it, 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 Pa- here's how I know list. it's gonna be, it's good. Here's the here, here here's what, so, um, you know we have our editors who are not accountants, they're not bookkeepers. He he was he he was not looking forward to edit this podcast. He's like, I don't want to like edit a podcast about federal tax updates. Like, could there be anything more boring? And he he gets done with it, and he's like, Did you listen to that podcast yet? It's really good. So yeah, yeah, it's passing the zero interest in tax or accounting whatsoever person's test. Right, as being something that's somewhat interesting. So it's not boring or dry. I'd suggest everybody give it a run. That's a good sign. We talked about a lot of stuff at the uh, ski trip in Park City. One of the things that I wanted to tell you guys, I got some some off-the-record information from a source that Square is building a GL. We talked about this three years ago. Like, like you predicted this, David. I, I think it was a highlight. I think it was a, a an episode title, maybe. Yeah, this, yeah. this is the known. There's no doubt. Well, uh, there we didn't have any 
information on this. We just predicted it. You predicted it. Well, they had a blog post that said how they record debits and credits for transactions at an engineering level. Yeah. (laughs) They just don't have a a customer-facing GL. But that's been the prediction for a while. Yeah. So this is going to be a what I assume is a a GL that Square customers can roll out when they start their store. So this is probably the biggest threat to QuickBooks since zero. And then, you know, QuickBooks, of course, fended off zero very well by investing in online. We're going to see what happens when Square has a GL. QuickBooks has been investing in their e-commerce capabilities. And I think their in-store capabilities, though, for QuickBooks Online lag behind Square, which is why everyone's using Square. So I wonder if we'll see at the next QuickBooks Connect more point-of-sale innovation from QuickBooks when it comes to that. Yeah, because are you Square and Shopify are the biggest threats to you? into it, right? It's not zero. It's not the other accounting GLs, right? The biggest threat is the outside player. And we talked about this a year, over a year ago. Like It's these outside players that are coming into our space. And you're right. Intuit has made moves against Shopify with the whole e-commerce. They, they purchased an e-commerce company. We, we previewed we, uh, the videos we reviewed or at QuickBooks Connect, we created those videos that are on LinkedIn, et cetera, and TikTok of the... Uh, New e-commerce features are building into QuickBooks directly. But you're right, on the point-of-sale front, it's still it's that old QuickBooks desktop point-of-sale. I remember they partnered with um, Revel point-of-sale as a branded QuickBooks Online point-of-sale once, and it never really took off. And Because Revel point-of-sale is really for restaurants and not mm-hmm. even as inventory, so that didn't really work. But you're right, like where where's that line in the sand to compete with Square? I mean, Intuit has their little dongle thing, right, for taking credit card payments and merchant service. But, but when was the last actual... time you ever saw that? I, I have not I've, seen. That. I saw it once in the wild, once ever yeah. in the wild. Now a lot of people use it, not 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 yeah. the hardware, but use Intuit Merchant Services. A lot of people yeah. use that, but right. But in terms of being out in the field, it's all square. Everything I see is always square at the food trucks, at the farmers market. It's all square. Nobody's using that Intuit one. So big opportunity because for they don't there. have a point of yeah. sale. Like, like, yeah, you're, like, you need the full point of sale now um, that runs on an iPad or something like that. And we've got some folks in our live stream. We are recording today on Saturday. You can always get notified when we go live by subscribing to our YouTube channel. And you can join us and you can chat with us. And we've got a bit of commentary here about these changes. Trinity said, the Revel thing was trash. <laughs> Taylor says, uh, I actually have one in my backpack. I think that's referring to the Intuit dongle. Taylor also says that QuickBooks capabilities for Square are very behind. Trinity says, my coffee shop who used it thought Intuit owned Revel because of the marketing. I got a little bit more from the ski trip, David, if you don't mind. Yeah, keep going. Uh, some takeaways. Some... I mean, I have you, to... You, this, this is ju- making it a, a justifiable a business, business expense. expense. Yeah. Yes. I have to talk. I, I don't know what the standard is, but I feel like if I talk about the trip for at least five minutes on an episode, then I can write the whole thing off. All right. Uh, I also talked with some of the folks there about turnover. I mean, this is something that everybody's gone through. And, uh, you know, one of the firms there has had 30% turnover for the last two years, year over year. And they're still able to grow because they're recruiting a lot. But just think about how crazy it is to have 30% of your staff turning over every year, having to recruit new people and train them up and get them into your system. And I don't think that's unique because I've talked to other accountants and you hear that 30 to 40% turnover. So having that whole process for getting people on board, having, having all the tech set up, having maybe outsourcing that to an MSP so you don't have to worry about it, having a dedicated HR person, that gives you a huge advantage in being able to grow. 
and not having it suck up all your time as a firm owner. Uh, and the last thing that we talked about uh, that I that really stuck with me is just the importance of getting outside and getting out of the office and making time, even in what could be a really inconvenient time of the year, to go take care of yourself and get exercise and have fun. And that was uh, relevant because, you know, these are firm owners. This is the beginning of busy season. They're either doing accounting services or tax services or both. And they deliberately chose to make the time to do this. And I feel like actually our profession would be so much better off in terms of mental health, in terms of just everything about the profession, if more of us got outside and got exercise every day and did adventures like this because you go out for a week and you do that and you're on top of the mountain and you can't look at your phone you have to take off your glove and it's like six degrees outside you're not gonna pull out your phone i i looked at my phone less i haven't looked at my screen time i should i looked you at my were phone checked less. out pretty good you were checked out yeah over the last week then i think i have in 17 years and now i'm coming back and i'm focused and i'm ready to go and i feel energized again so i just encourage everybody just to you know i know it feels like it's really hard and that's why I didn't do it for so long, because I felt like I couldn't leave for that long. But you can. It, the world is not going to end. Your team will pick up the slack, and you just got to do it. So that's my takeaways from the trip. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Keeper. By combining client communications, file review, reporting, and your task management, Keeper has everything you need to run your bookkeeping or cast practice. Keeper is an all-in-one app that allows you, your team, and your clients to easily collaborate to make your monthly close as efficient as possible. Starting with a beautiful custom-branded client portal optimized for bookkeeping work, your client can answer questions you have about uncategorized transactions, allowing you to categorize and automatically post them to QuickBooks Online correctly, all without ever leaving Keeper. Via the month-end file review feature to surface transactions that may not be posted correctly, and by providing the perfect customized report that each client may need, Keeper can highlight the value that your firm provides clients. Keeper's built-in task management ensures nothing falls through the cracks, and it includes time tracking so you can see where you and your team spends their time. With Keeper's 1099 Manager, you can easily review each client's list of vendors, email address, physical address, tax ID, and the amount paid, and from the same screen, even request W9s for any vendors that you're missing information for. No more jumping between screens or browser tabs. Keeper has a very affordable and clear pricing model that starts at only $8 a month. To learn more about why thousands of bookkeepers and accountants trust Keeper to manage their month-end close and to get 20% off your first three months by using code CAP20, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash keeper. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash K-E-E-P-E-R. Keeper the one app to run your bookkeeping business. Did I miss any big news, David, while I was gone? Um, I don't know. I actually have a kind of follow-up story. Like, I know we get called, and this happens on Twitter, you know, oh, the doom and gloom, the doom and gloom. I did find an uplifting story. We want to talk about that for the industry. Yeah, something something exciting and that'll get us, uh, get us excited for... The busy season. Yeah, so so I got an article from the Bismarck Tribune. So where's Bismarck? What uh, what's that? Uh, Idaho, Minnesota. Um, I don't even know where this is at. So it's about the uh, high school teen of the week. So this is about her name is uh, Courtney Supier. Um, she's a volleyball player and talks about all her great volleyball things she does and 
her 4-H in the uh, golf and basketball and small town rodeos and all these things she does. But what she really excels at, so she got involved with FBLA, which is the Future Business Leaders of America. I don't know if you're familiar with that organization. And during her freshman year of high school, she discovered accounting. She was introduced to accounting. She decided she really enjoyed it. And since then, she's taken six accounting classes and will complete six dual credit classes this year. And so she, and during this, she's been able to maintain a 4.0 GPA. And she's going to go on. She plans on attending uh, Bismarck State College. She's going to major in accounting. And she hopes to become a certified public accounting. So there's still, if we can reach people early enough, we can still get them to become accountants. You just got to get them their freshman year of high school. Get them to really love accounting early, early, early. So I, get, I don't know. It's just, we're not yeah. always doing good. There's hope, right? This no, is a very yeah, it, bright young lady that's going to uh, get into accounting. Hopefully we don't ruin her, but she's going to come into accounting. And the firm owners I was hanging out with on this trip, you know, they were excited. They were energized. They love what they do. And there is so much, so much fun to be had, so much opportunity, especially in the small firm space. Uh, like, like you experienced, and we talked about last week, David, there are all these mid-sized firms that are shedding really good clients that are paying really good fees. And you can pick those up as a small firm if you're strategic and you're smart about it. And you can make a really good living because these mid-sized firms, these large firms are so inefficient and can't do it. And if you can just be a little bit better than them, use the tech, you can build a business that is not making you work 50, 60 hours a week, 70, 80 hours a week. You can build a business that's a sustainable business. Uh, and Bismarck, I believe, is a city in North Dakota, if it's the one that North Dakota. comes up on on Google, the capital city of North Dakota with a population of 74,000 people, a very sparsely populated state. That's how the newspaper has time to write articles about high school. Exactly. It's, school it's more like a local stars. paper, right? Yeah. yeah. It's funny because like I think the population of Scottsdale, where I live, is you know 250,000. And we're just a suburb well, of Phoenix. Well, if you think about ASU, which is basically right there in Tempe, the college camp, they have 90,000 students at that college, right? It's kind of crazy. <laughs> Amazing. What do you want to go to next? We were talking about the IRS, right? IRS audit rates declined further in 2022. We've talked about the very low rate of IRS audits. This year, or I should say last year, the odds of an audit fell to 3.8 out of every 1,000 returns filed. That's a 0.38% audit rate. Uh, the previous year, fiscal year 2021, it was 0.41%. And uh, of course, those in the know know that the audit rate is even smaller uh, for many folks, less than a quarter of a percent. And I've always said this is like part of the reason that it's actually hard to be, it's harder to be an ethical tax preparer because your clients know that the audit rates are this low. And so they are willing to push the envelope and break the rules because the risk reward calculation. So we're almost to one third of a percentage. Yeah. So let's put this on a calendar year, 300 days in a calendar year, one third. So that's pushing at one percent. So basically, one day a year, the IRS is spending on audits. I, if, you, I, if, you, if you if you map it out to a time of a calendar year, and, and maybe that's the way people need to see this, right? Well, if like essentially, that's what's happening. I got one more bit of news. Uh, the backlog for the tax season, the Tax Foundation they put up a graphic that visualizes the IRS backlog. So the IRS has made progress but they're still way behind. In April of 2022, they were behind by almost 300 million uh, returns requiring manual processing, or I guess 
items requiring manual processing. And they've got that down to 15 million. So they've cut it in half, but 15 million still there. At this rate, uh, it could be many, many more years until this is all resolved. And part of the problem is that whenever you have IRS correspondence in an audit, like most of the IRS audits, they just mail you something, they ask for information, you mail it back. That all then goes into a paper system. They don't have an electronic system for it. So if you ever have to correspond with the IRS, it creates a paper item that has to be dealt with. And that's and, why we can't get out of this. And this graph, they separated this out. Cases, amended in processing, slash suspended, suspended returns, and then paper returns awaiting processing. The only thing they're making dents on is they had a stack of paper returns that have not weren't processed at all. Right. And that's, that they went, move that number from 13.3 million to 2.6 million. So, but the other numbers aren't changing very much. So, no. they're, so they're getting through their backlog, but they're not actually resolving and getting things to closure. Maybe that's the way to think about it. Right. Back in April of 2022, they had 5.3 cases, 5.3 million cases open. Now they've got 5.1 million cases open. Um, and, and all these yeah, amended and processing suspended returns has not changed that much. It went from 10.5 down to 7.4, but that's still a lot. And that's why they've got, that's why the, basically the backlog's only been cut in half. Um, and it's, it's because they don't have systems for doing all this electronically. And that's what they should spend the money on, in my humble opinion, is build out a system that's all digital, that has a portal where people can respond electronically and get rid of the paper from the beginning, like get rid of all the paper. And then you can actually catch this stuff up. I hope they spend some of that 86, is it 86 billion on that? 80 billion. 80 billion. 80 billion. Yeah. Just don't hire one of the big four to build it for you because it'll take you 20 years. <laughs> it'll actually it'll, cost 160 yeah. billion. <laughs> yeah. It'll never get done. Uh, so that's my tax season update news. Christopher says in the chat, Seemingly, all the IRS does is make sure W-2s and other non-NEC 1099 statements match. Yeah, and if they don't, then they kick you out paper, and then you got to respond, and then, then you get into that backlog, right? So, David, what do you got? I'm trying to think, like, uh, if I'm going to stay in the little tax-related here, maybe even a, a follow-up, loosely. There's an article in Accounting Today titled, Five Ideas to Watch For in Accounting in 2023. And guess what number one is? Narrowing your scope, which is basically also known as firing your clients. Like that's the you know, like go fire your clients. Like that's the argument. Narrowing your scope, but but that's Narrowing not how scope. most firms are doing it, David. That's co- most firms that's code. are just most firms are just taking the smallest revenue clients and firing those because that's the easiest thing to do, right? You just sort your clients by annual revenue and fire the bottom ten percent to make capacity. But that's not narrowing your scope. Most firms, the reason they struggle is because they don't have a scope. They don't have a particular type of client they serve. They do a zillion different things. And it's horribly inefficient because, you know, you're like, I don't know, you're like a factory that makes a thousand different SKUs instead of one SKU, right? Or a handful of them. It's it's very inefficient to retool every time you need to do something. So, yeah, and, and a lot of this ties back, you know, it goes back to, you said, the business model itself. Right, and the time tracking and all that. Yeah, they're um, selling time, right? So speaking of time, I did see an article that was a little disturbing, actually, and I think is worth going into deeper. So this was an accounting web in the UK, and it's about a Canadian firm. Accountant must repay employer after software shows time theft. 
So I, I think in general, people have always talked about timesheets in general. You, you do your timesheets, but what, although you, you work on a client's file, you report whatever you want on a timesheet, right? And then they build a client. Like it's never been perfect. And in general, you work more than you actually report anyways, because you're like, I can't build a client that much, right? That's been the dilemma in, with timesheets the whole time. But this article really goes in deep into what happened. But essentially, the accounting firm um, Reach CPA, they installed a time tracking app, Blake. So you could have, when you went skiing, could have installed an app on my computer and tracked if I was working while you were gone. Yep. And These this have been app around is called for a while. Time Camp. Time I'm camp. sorry? Yeah. These apps they have been, been around for a while. Yeah. But this is kind of the first time they used this software to make the employee pay them for the time, the firm. So, so the accusation, well, the finding, I guess because the judge decided in favor of the firm, is that the accountant who got fired billed the firm and supposedly, I guess, clients too probably, right, for more hours than they actually worked according to this software that was tracking how many hours they were working on the computer. Yeah, so, and so it was like 50, it was 50.76 more hours and essentially a five, four or five-week period. So essentially, it was like 10 hours extra a week she yeah. was claiming she was working, and they say, no, you weren't working. Yeah. But which is crazy, because like, if you look at the averages, if an accountant said they were working 50 hours a week and not 40, you'd be like, all right, it makes sense. Like, it seems see, those, those, those variances don't seem anything uh, that's there. But there's just some weird stuff about this. You know, they're claiming she was watching Disney Plus, and then she made an argument that the software was hard to use. But what they did in court, apparently, they just showed a video of the app working Mm -hmm. automatically, figuring out what's personal things and what are not personal things on a computer. Yeah. Right? And then- These apps are really cool. Sorry, go ahead. Kind of. And and then the, the, the crazy thing is she claims that she printed out stuff and worked offline. So obviously, that app can't track the work she's offline, but she didn't want to tell them that because she basically feared how it will make them look as a zero silver partner. Like, like how, how do you look as a cloud accounting silver partner if your accountants are printing out the, <laughs> printing out things and, and doing work manually, then it, typing it back in or something? So it, the whole story is kind of interesting, but it's, it's also a little disturbing and goes back to these bigger issues with firms. Like, this is what we're, this is what firms are doing. Like, that's the relationship with your employees. No wonder employees don't want to work for firms. Could she have been cheating and doing these things on purpose and trying to steal money from the firm? I don't know, but. My gut is it's this over-control of a firm, and it's a crappy employee experience. Well, and Here's my theory. My theory is not a great employee. Uh, was, That's possible. Agree. Was, yep. was not keeping accurate timesheets, which happens to both good and bad employees. We all know that people lie on their timesheets or they're just totally inaccurate. They're just guessing. Well, Ron uh, Baker and Ed Kless speak to this all the time. They, they, every time they do a talk, they ask if anybody's ever like doctored their timesheet, and 100% of the people, accountants, raise their hand. So it's like, yeah. what's the point of having them? They're all fake. All five timesheets are fake. Yeah, there's there's always inaccuracies, and it can be huge. And um, these apps are actually kind of neat, and I, I don't think there's anything necessarily good or bad about them. Uh, they're really fascinating. So this one's called Time Camp, and what it does is it installs um, um, software on your computer uh, and a Chrome plugin that tracks what programs you're using for how long, and if you're in Chrome, it will track the title of the tab that you have focused on. And so it can get really detailed in terms of what client you're working on. If the client name is in like the zero or the QuickBooks file, the header, 
Uh, it can it can do a lot of automated time tracking that you can then bill through to clients. You can uh, adjust first. Um, I tried it for a little while. I ended up not using it because because I just didn't feel like I wanted to have that level of tracking. But there's a security argument to be made for it because it takes screenshots of what people are working on. And if it's a work computer and you say, look, this is your work computer, you should only be doing work on it, then I don't think the privacy concerns are warranted. I mean- No, I don't think the privacy concerns are warranted for the employee. Right. But the privacy concerns I have are for the client. So just like with, we just went through this, all the tax providers, they had that Facebook widget and more than likely unknowingly, they were passing data back to Facebook right? All the tax providers, because Facebook's reading the screen. It's mm-hmm. reading the URL. There's there's information of the header, right? The titles, just like you talked about. Your client's information is probably being stored on these monitoring software servers. That's actually the bigger risk of this whole thing. It's not the time people are stealing. It's not the, you know, the privacy of the employee. It's the, your client's data is being monitored and captured by third-party software. That probably because they don't work in the accounting industry, like unless one of these these apps are built specifically for accounting firms, they mm-hmm. probably aren't taking the proper privacy con- concerns. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Relay Financial. For those listeners that haven't been following along with my drama caused by PNC when they purchased BBVA and botched the migration, to quickly summarize, PNC bank feeds wouldn't work with QuickBooks Online. The website had all my old BBV transactions just listed as debits and credits with no vendors or payees. And to top it all off, the June bank statement was just missing, like June never happened. Let's just say my 2021 books were a mess. So for 2022, I made the commitment to stop using PNC and switch everything to Relay. Relay is a no-fee online banking platform built for you and your small business clients. Relay understands and solves all the things we as accountants and bookkeepers care about, security, bank feeds, automation, reconciliation. I invited both my interns to my Relay account. They created their own user ideas and passwords, and within minutes, they were using Relay to create virtual debit cards, physical debit cards, download statements, and reconciling. Now, the bank feeds in my QuickBooks Online are reliable, and my 2022 books are in order. To stop fighting with an unreliable bank that doesn't care about you or your small business clients, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash relay. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash R-E-L-A-Y. Here's a fraud story that caught my attention. Office space inspired software engineer scam, prosecutors say. And so, uh, so we should pause here because I reference office space with um, some of my younger uh, Gen Zers, and they know what it's talking about. I made a film, comment about office a printer. Space. So I had to I had to have them go watch Office Space. So depending on your age on the show, you might not know what Office Space is. So I would take the time, press pause on the podcast, go on to Amazon Prime or Netflix, go find Office Space, watch it, then come back and but listen yeah. to the rest of the podcast. Well, now I'm feeling old because, yes, it came out in 1999. It's a cult classic film uh, and central to the film I really don't think I'm spoiling anything, but spoiler alert, if you want to see it without knowing anything, it centers around a fraud. These disaffected office workers decide they're going to put some software in this program uh, that will then siphon off like pennies every time a transaction occurs. Or fractions of pennies, right? Fractions the, of all pennies. All the rounding errors. Right. And then over the course of many years, they will make millions of dollars. And it will be so small because it's rounding errors that nobody will ever notice. Well, uh, it happened in real life. A Tacoma, Washington man was fired from his software engineering job at Zulily after stealing hundreds of thousands of dollars from the Seattle-based e-commerce company using a scheme inspired 
by the 1999 classic film Office Space, according to prosecutors. Ernie Castro, 28, was charged last month with two counts of first-degree theft and first-degree identity theft, court records show. He's accused of editing programming code to siphon shipping fees and manipulate Zulily prices, stealing about $260,000 in electronic payments and more than $40,000 in merchandise, according to charging papers. He was fired June 9th after a Zulily examination of his work laptop uncovered a document titled, quote, Office Space Project, <laughs> So he actually was inspired by the film. He really was. It wasn't that's just a amazing. coincidence. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And he wrote code to do all this. Yeah. So, uh, but obviously he didn't learn from the movie because the whole lesson of the movie is like, you're going to get caught. <laughs> Yeah, 30,000 Zulily transactions between February and June were affected. And I guess it was like creating a, a havoc because customers were getting double charged for shipping and handling. Can you imagine customer support trying to sort this out? And you have no idea why customers are being double charged for shipping and handling, and then some of that money is being siphoned away. And anyway. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. While you select, I'll go on to another one here. Here's a story on accounting today. Are mid-career CPAs happy in your firm? This is by our friend Lee Fredrickson, who was on an episode of our podcast that we recorded at a conference. Accounting Web, yep. Yeah, so last April. He's uh, the head of um, Hinge Marketing, which is a great marketing agency that specializes in professional services. They surveyed 280 professionals in mid-career senior level and executive positions to produce a report called Navigating the Mid-Career Talent Crisis, a report for the professional services. So this, uh, this problem isn't limited to accounting firms. There's all sorts of mid-career professionals in all sorts of professional services firms, like law firms, for example, that are quitting and are not trying to make it to partner. And so the question is, why? Why are they leaving? And the finding of this study, this survey, is that over three quarters of those surveyed stated they were leaving their jobs out of frustration with firm leadership. Almost as many, 72.4%, stated they were looking for a better company culture. By comparison, fewer than half of those surveyed cited a desire for a higher salary. So three quarters are saying it's the culture, it's the leadership. Only half say it's the salary. And of those respondents who gave their company culture low ratings, 94% of them pointed to a lack of comfort sharing thoughts with leadership as a detractor from the current culture, and 90% felt they were not able to perform fulfilling and engaging work. So well, if the leaders are having to put in 60 hours a week, when are they going to have time to listen. have a chat with their employees? Yeah. Uh, and, and what's interesting is that when they surveyed the firm leaders, they didn't see this as a problem. There's a disconnect between the company culture. Like, the, the firm leaders said that they thought the culture was great. Here it is. Oh, so they're like, we give out hoodies and we bring in pizza. We have a great culture. Kind of like that. Only 10% of the senior executives surveyed expressed dissatisfaction with firm culture, while almost half of the mid-career respondents had a negative reaction. The percentage of senior executives satisfied with current culture is almost as high as the percentage of mid-career professionals who are dissatisfied with it. So, so what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm hearing when you read these numbers is there's like two bubbles. Like the senior executives have their own culture. They're hanging out and they all like each other and they think everything's great. And then there's the whole other bubble that's not participating in that. So like this all sucks. Yeah. Like the, they, they, there, there's literally two bubbles of data happening. 
And in in an accounting firm, this is your managers and your directors who are leaving en masse because the partners aren't listening and don't want to change. So the solution is, actually, you need to pay your people more probably, but also, more importantly, you need to fix that culture because in firms that have a really good culture where the mid-career professionals like the culture, they're way more likely to stay uh, and turn down salary increases just to go somewhere else. So that's the solution, is listen. Listen to your managers. Listen to your directors. And I'm sure many of our listeners, the reason they went off and started their own firms is because they weren't getting heard. I didn't feel like I was heard at all. I went in to a top 25 firm, and I felt like nobody cared at all. <laughs> they, they, they might pretend to listen, but like they weren't going to do anything. And you know, I thought I was brought in to make a difference and to change how things were being done, but that was not at all the situation. So what do you got, David? Did you find your story? No, I'd like to talk about ChatGPT. Oh, yeah, yeah. I finally touched it. Have you, have you played with it yet? Yeah, I, I played around with it uh, to write a blog post, uh, a website. I've, I've been using it for marketing copy, and I find it to be really helpful, like 70%, 80% reduction in the time it takes me to write. And, and I can see where, like, and I, I've kind of used it for some things like that, where it just it's almost like having a person around to, like, bounce an idea and then it gives you then you see their answer you're like that's not right but it gives me this idea and it kind of I think it can help in a creative process right mm-hmm. but uh, yeah so I finally used it this week and um, first thing I was like almost turned off because you have to create your account and the very first thing it does is it puts you through a captcha so th- this because this is getting a lot of hype it's the world changing AI and I'm clicking stoplights and bicycles because it doesn't know if I'm a human or not <laughs> So I was like, all right, this is kind of crazy a little bit. And then I started just uh, you know, clicking through it and just asking questions like, who are the hosts of the Cloud Accounting Podcast? And it, and it actually says, here, here's its answer. I apologize for any confusion. The Cloud Accounting Podcast is not hosted by Blake Oliver and David Leary. They post, both host the Accounting Best Practices Podcast, where they discuss the latest trends and best practices in accounting finance and technology. So like some of the answers are like really, really off. I did try to do a little bit more accounting t- style stuff. So I typed in a question, which was, how do I categorize my GoDaddy expense in, QuickBook, uh, in my QuickBooks bank feed? Right? And it gave me an answer, and it was kind of impressive, right? It's like, oh, you might have, it could be this or this. And sometimes, you know, GoDaddy, it, it, could, it could be a charge for web hosting or it could be a charge for um, you know, marketing, right? It could be one of the two. You should maybe partner with an account or bookkeeper, blah, blah, blah. And then I did the same thing, which I do with my Starbucks, which I do with my Southwest Airlines. And it kind of gave me the same answer over and over and over again. And what this reminds me of, Blake, back in the day of doing tech support, right? Obviously, there's dozens, if not hundreds of people taking tech support phone calls. This is in the 90s, right? You These big call centers. Mm-hmm. And there'd be individuals that they literally only knew three answers and they would give it out on every single phone call. And I think that's where we're at on this. It is the worst tech support employee. That, that's where it's at from a maturity standpoint, right? It doesn't really have the real answer. It, it, it kind of looks, if, if you don't know better, it looks like a legit answer, right? Well, if you don't know better. But here's, here's where it took the cake flake for me. And I really and, and love seeing this, this answer. So I asked specifically, can AI reconcile my bank account? And it replied back. In summary, AI can be used to assist with bank account reconciliation and fraud detection, but it is not a replacement for human oversight and review. And that's 
this piece that everybody keeps missing, the over, that humans have to oversee this stuff. Like you wouldn't just say create a blog post and just use it, right? No, but I can have it write 80% of that blog post and I can give it the idea that I, I have to give it an outline. And I think, David, that part of the reason it can't answer that question about categorizing expenses is because it hasn't been trained on that data set. We don't know exactly what data ChatGPT was trained on. OpenAI, uh, I think they've said that they, they ingested like the entire internet. And then there's also speculation yeah. that they ingested a bunch of books, right? Uh, digitized books. But like how many of those books and in, in the internet does it say, like, is there somebody writing about how to categorize that particular transaction? That's a very niche thing. Oh, yeah, because what it's fairly, what it's basically right. doing is pulling the FAQs from the QuickBooks website and re regurgitating those in a way, right? So yeah. it's not, and this is this this thing of this solving our problems, and this goes to, they don't have the real data you need to actually do real work. Like, sure, it could summarize a bunch of text from other blog posts to give you a blog post, right, off of everybody else's blog post, like this basic research, but it doesn't have real answers, if, if that makes sense. Well, well right. what it could do, though, is with the right data set, it could do exactly what you're talking about, David. Like, if Intuit built this into QuickBooks, and they ingested every chart of accounts from every company, and then they ingested every uh, expense co coding, right, all the bank feed data and how it was coded into an AI, that AI could go through and figure out, even though people are doing widely different things with you know, their categorization, their chart of accounts, it could use machine learning to figure out how to code stuff and tell you. Yeah, and it takes billions that, and billions and billions of data points. And this is the issue of like smaller startups are like, well, we're gonna, we have AI doing this accounting function. I'm like, maybe, but like you kind of need billions of data points to have it really work, right? And that's what they did, ChatGPT has billions of data points, right? This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by First Republic Bank. When you own a professional service business, client satisfaction is your number one priority. So when it's your turn to be the client, shouldn't you get the same kind of treatment? First Republic shares your commitment to extraordinary service. That's why you'll be paired with a dedicated business banker who has the experience and expertise to serve the unique needs of your industry, whether it's accounting, law, healthcare, you name it. They'll take the time to get to know you and your business, recommending just right solutions and responding quickly to your requests. And since they'll act as your single point of contact, you can reach out directly to them by phone or email, even through their secure app. That's right, no phone trees or customer service centers. Don't have time to leave your clients? They'll even come to you. This is the banking partnership you and your team deserve. To learn more, head over to firstrepublic.com today. That's firstrepublic.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. So I've got chat GPT open right now, and I just wanted to try an example that I think it could do really well. And one of the good examples is write a letter to a client. So I'm going to say, write a letter to the client of a CPA firm from the Write a owner. firing letter. Like, actually, write, not CPA write a firm. Write client fire the fire letter. Okay, actually, let's do this. Uh, write a letter to David Leary from <laughs> an accounting firm um, owner explaining why the They're firm services. Is, uh, is ending his services. Be sure to include the fact that David writes um, all his me messages in all caps as one of the main pain points. 
Dear David, I hope this letter finds you well. I am writing to inform you that our accounting firm will no longer be needing your services. We have greatly appreciated the work you have done for us in the past, but we have decided to move in a different direction. One of the main reasons for this decision is the format in which you communicate with our team. Specifically, we have found that your messages are consistently written in all capital letters, which can be difficult to read and understand. We understand that this may be a personal preference, but it has caused some confusion and frustration among our team members. In light of this and other considerations, we have decided that it is in the best interest of our firm to end our working relationship with you. We wish you all the best in your future endeavors, and thank you for your contributions to our firm. Sincerely, your name, accounting firm owner. Yeah. Now we I mean, could tell Chat. We could tell Chat GPT to rewrite this, saying that like David is the client. You know, I could say rewrite, rewrite the letter, but uh, with David as the client of the accounting firm, not a vendor, not a vendor or a supplier, and we could see if it makes the correction. It's writing. Yep, there we go. Now it's saying we will no longer be able to continue providing you with our services. They rewrote it. It took my feedback and rewrote it. Yeah. So, so this kind of stuff, like this boilerplate kind of communication with clients, it kicks ass at that. Not the yeah. If you need generic boilerplate plate stuff, hundred percent it does. Yeah. I mean, you could you could have it write like, um, you know, write a write a welcome letter to David Leary, a new client of my bookkeeping practice. And then it's going to say, you know, dear David, on behalf of our bookkeeping practice, I would like to ex extend a warm welcome to you as our newest client. We are excited to have the opportunity to work with you and assist you in managing your financial records. And then it keeps going. Yeah, so if, if you need boilerplate stuff, but yeah, to, to take this off your plate so you can do other stuff, right? I, I could see how, but it's not going to replace you and the work you do. It's going to accent and maybe make you a little bit more efficient, but it's being played up as this world changing like thing. And it's like, again, accountants are not going to lose their jobs because of AI, right? It's just not going to happen. Uh, um, is my ski trip tax deductible? <laughs> Let's see if it can do that. It depends on the specific circumstances of your ski trip. Generally, if the primary purpose of the trip is for business, such as meeting with clients or attending a business conference, then expenses related to the trip, including lodging and transportation, may be tax deductible. However, if the primary purpose of the trip is for personal recreation, then expenses related to the trip would not be tax deductible. It is best to consult a tax professional or refer to the IRS guidelines for more information in deducting business expenses. And, and that seems legit. But if you type this in for 10 more times for other expenses, it never has the answer. It just keeps giving you the same, that kind of same right. wishy-washy, non-committal answer. And that's where I'm coming from on this. Like, It's kind of impressive until you really try to get a real answer out of it. It's very wishy-washy. It won't commit to anything. And I'm asking it now, please cite the IRC section related to this question. And it's telling me uh, the section that pertains to deducting business expenses is section 162. I don't know if that's correct or not. This section allows for a deduction of all the ordinary and necessary expenses paid or incurred during the taxable year and carrying on any trade or business. So think about how useful this is in terms of research. If you can, you know, this thing obviously has the IRC code in it, right? So now yeah. you can start asking it questions like, tell me which section I should look at, you know, analyze this. You could, you could copy and paste a whole section into ChatGPT and ask it to explain it in plain English. So imagine how great that would be for communicating with clients. For so, us, if you're a tax pro, you can read that section and, and you've been doing this for years. It makes sense to you, but it doesn't make sense to a normal person. Well, this is, and this know? is kind of what it's doing. And you're right. If it can create, if it can change it into easier to use text, I get. But if it just sends you the link, 
Because that's what firms sometimes do. They, they they send you a blog post they wrote that has a link to this yeah. with the quote right from this, and you can't understand it. Like this is why you're the tax professional. It's for you to to rephrase this. Now I can't be used for some hilarious things. So I don't know. I just put a link in, and I want us to read this. But Chad Davis told ChatGPT to create a script, and he said, "Act as a podcast producers. Write an intro script between two people, David the skeptic and Blake the techie." to a podcast called The Cloud Accounting Podcast <laughs> that talks about such items as chat, GP, chat GPT being overhyped, the AICPA being terrible, and getting fired from accounting firms, right in a skeptical tone with a bit of humor. So we have a script. So I okay. want to read my parts and you read your parts. So this was completely written by Chat GPT, and it's kind of funny, because, but at the same time, it also it's not important. And then maybe it's okay to use Chat GPT for these things. So I'll just start with the script. Okay. Hey, Blake, what's going on? Not much. Just trying to stay on top of all the latest accounting tech trends. Yeah, I can't imagine. That's a full-time job these days. Tell me about it. But hey, speaking of tech trends, have you heard about ChatGPT? Oh boy, here we go. Another revolutionary tech that's going to change the accounting world as we know it. Hey, don't knock it till you try it. Oh, I'm knocking it. I'm a skeptic, remember? That's true. But you have to admit, there's a lot of buzz around ChatGPT and its potential to automate certain tasks and improve, improve efficiency. Yeah, yeah, I've heard it all before. It's just another example of something being overhyped and not living up to the hype. Well, I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree on that one. But on the topic of things not living up to the hype, have you heard about the AICPA lately? Oh, don't even get me started on them. They're just a bunch of dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I know, I know. But on a serious note, it's really disheartening to see the state of the profession right now. And let's not forget about all the accountants getting fired left and right from their firms. Well, it missed the, <laughs> That's it, the end of the script. It missed that part. They're leaving. They're not getting fired. Uh, but that was a pretty good script. Maybe we it's could just- pretty funny. Yeah. You know, we could just get ChatGPT to write all of our episodes and then we could use some voice AI and we don't even have to do this anymore, David. <laughs> You're skiing all the time. I'm just, just going to be skiing all Actually, the time. Actually, folks, Blake is Blake died on a black diamond, just to let you know. This is just <laughs> me talking to AI. He doesn't exist anymore. Well, uh, I've got a chat GPT story, David. All right. So somebody decided to try to pass a chartered accountant exam with chat GPT and almost did it. This is the Institute of Chartered Accountants in England and Wales assurance exam. The gentleman who did this, who was it? What's his name? Stuart Cobby, C-O-B-B-E. Stuart Cobby decided to put ChatGPT to the test. He took the questions uh, and the answers and asked ChatGPT to select the correct answers. And ChatGPT scored 42%, which is not that far under the pass mark of 55%. And this is just version one of this tool. They're working on a new one that's gonna be even better. So this, this chatbot could pass the assurance exam of the chartered accountants in England and Wales on the next round. And I bet it could probably pass the CPA exam in the next few years. I wouldn't be surprised. So here we have AICPA and NASBA well, you know, rewriting the exam. That's why we need the 150 hour rule. That's why we need that. <laughs> Christopher in the chat said, that we should try that uh, as written by Martin Scorsese. Maybe on the next episode, we'll do our intro. Or Quentin Tarantino. By... Quentin Tarantino. Well, there wouldn't be any talking in a Quentin Tarantino movie. It would just be us yeah, murdering each other. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so 
that's scary, right? I mean, it, it it fails at math, and that's where a lot of accountants, I think, like why why they're disappointed by it because you try to get Chat GPT to do math. It's not an AI that's designed to do math. There are other ones that can do that. So you got to use it for its purpose, and this is a pretty good purpose. Um, I mean, it can replace your eight dollar an hour overseas VA. That's whose that's whose job this is going to threaten. Some, some some overseas VA administrative assistant that you're paying six dollars an hour to. That's like, hey, can you send out welcome letters to the clients, or can I do this? That's the type of work that could be replaced by this. Right, well, this very low level entry stuff. But I don't think anything like like managing a bank feed, or, or God forbid, you ask it what to do when your bank feed breaks. Right. Right. But, <laughs> but again, this is the first version of the product, so. I think in just a few years, it's going to do the work of frontline customer service representatives. It'll do the work of junior accountants, uh, auditors. A third of audits fail inspection, PCAOB inspection. Actually, it's over half on all counts fail PCAOB inspection. I bet you that an AI, if you just ingested the GL and all the source documents, could do a better job of auditing than most CPA firms in not too long. And so that's the solution to not well, having- it could raise, it could raise, you know, all right, now you don't have to look at this 20% humans. Go, go worry about this part. Like I mean, we've kind of looked at this easy stuff. We, yeah. we, we still have audit firms that are, like most audits, people are like manually selecting transactions for testing and then manually testing them. It's literally as if cloud has not happened yet for like 99% of audits. And that's why they're so bad because it takes an immense amount of labor and we don't have the labor to do the quality audits. And, and maybe, maybe that like the, and with all these technologies, like maybe them getting to 85% is good enough. Like 85% is actually the hundred percent because it's very sure. hard to get those last piece. Same thing with these self-driving cars, right? And, and even what's well, car, we got an update from Ford and like we're driving in the car on the highway. So on highway driving, the car basically drives itself. It's pretty cool. Right. But as soon as there's any variables, which are basically as soon as you get off the highway, it can't drive itself anymore. Right. And maybe that's just good enough. And maybe that's the way to think about all these tools. Like if you're like bank feeds, right. You just look to that inside the accounting. If, if they categorize 85 percent of the transactions, maybe that is 100 percent. It's mm-hmm. never going to hit 100 percent. Just give up on it and just accept that as the 100 percent. And the same time things with this. It'll write most of your blog posts, Blake, but you're always going to have to put that extra 20 percent effort in. Yeah. And maybe well, that's and the way just, to think about these things. It's just like how cloud didn't eliminate client accounting services, right? It just reduced the work by like 80%. So now we can do so much more or we can just lower the price, right? To make it more affordable. Um, Hey, we got some listener voicemail, David. I want to make sure we get to that uh, because we love when we get the voicemail. So I'm going to download this one and get it going. As a reminder to our listeners, you can send us your voicemails, cloudaccountingpodcast at earmarkcpe.com. Send us your messages. You can email us. Better yet, though, record a voice memo on your phone and email that to us. We love getting them, and we play them on the air. So here is a message from Paula. Hello. My name is Paula Bennett. I'm from Florida. Um, I just wanted to add a few feedback on the podcast, the latest podcast. And I wanted to say to the topic of changing the accounting requirements, yeah, I mentioned about looking at pos- the possibility of improving an accounting career through switching to being that national-wide certified instead of X amount of states. I think a way this could 
be improved is by making the changes for new account career seekers and also accommodating those far into their career. For example, if you have X amount of state certified certifications, there should be an accommodation to have them be nationwide certified. If they do not have X amount of state certifications, then they can take a short course to then be nationwide certified. This could then help the older accountants in the field and the new ones coming. In general, say the profession as a whole. Thanks, Paul. So, Go ahead, David. And so Paul is proposing, if I'm hearing that, if, if I listen to this correctly, is just do a hard cutoff right now. Everybody that wants to be a CPA starting today, going forward, is getting a national CPA license. It's not done, but it's not state to state anymore. But anybody that's already has their CPA for X state, if you have it for multiple already, you just basically have to take a quick quick quiz to get grandfathered in. But but so she's creating kind of two paths to get everybody onto this national CPA license. People won't be stuck. Mm-hmm. But do a hard cutoff immediately for new people. Immediately. Yeah. No, I think that's an idea with, worth considering. And and for those who didn't hear that discussion on the previous episode, um, you know, I throw out the crazy idea that maybe we shouldn't have fifty different states licensing CPAs. That it's sort of like having fifty partners in an accounting firm that have to vote on everything in order to do anything, and that's why nothing ever happens. So, so your license just to rewind. So your license in California. I was, and I switched to Arizona because now so I live in Arizona. Arizona. So is there any like, do you have to prove a different set of knowledge? Like what what. Why do we? Why do like history? Like why, why? do states? Ha- why do we have different states doing this anyways? I, it goes all the way back to like the founding of the country and the whole federalist, whole federal system that we have. And driver's where, licenses. And, yeah, yeah, like all. I mean, this is a civics lesson, right? All all yeah. uh, rights not expressly given to the federal government belong to the states, and that's why licensing is is done almost all. Almost all licensing is done by states because of that. But what Things have changed in the sense that now firms don't work locally anymore. It used to be that if you had a CPA firm, you only worked with people in your state or in your city, pretty much. Like that was like all of it. But now that we're all working remotely, we're working across state lines, we've got clients everywhere. Uh, Interstate commerce is a fact of life in the accounting profession. So when it comes to interstate commerce, that's where the federal government gets involved. And I think we should probably consider, we should consider moving to a federal licensure for CPAs because. It's so ridiculously impractical to have all these states doing it. I mean, the problem is though, how do you, how do you get take that away from the states? Like the the, the boards of accountancy don't want that. They're going to lose their I, jobs. I, I can see but, the headline already. You know. Eighty thousand new CPAs. <laughs> like, well, and this is why the CMA has a big advantage over the CPA right now. The certified management accountant credential, or it's not a license; it's a certification. That's one organization that does that globally. And so they don't have to deal with all of this. They can make their own decisions and, and move things forward a lot faster. And they're growing. CPA is shrinking. CMA is growing. So look at the competition. Another message. This is an email from Tori. Tori said, if we want to see a forced shift in this profession, it would need to come from the top 10 firms. These firms would need to boycott taking on PCAOB audits to make the AICPA or any other organization take the situation seriously. If no one is renewing contracts and auditing the PCOB companies, it would cause turmoil in the financial sector. Yes, I understand this is radical and highly unlikely, but I do think this would be the only way to change. Any chats? Oh, we got a lot of discussion going on in the chat. I'm just going to push through. I'm going to push through and get to some of this mail that we've been holding off on. Okay. Let's see. 
Well, you're looking, since we have people on live, the live stream here, yeah. uh, Expensify announced that at their Expensicon in Italy that they're going to have George Clooney as the headline speaker. Wow. So apparently he'll just drive his boat over there, you know, or, or, or take his, his Vespa um, down to southern Italy and uh, appear at Expensicon, which is just amazing. Yeah, uh, and I, I really do hope that we get to record some Cloud Accounting podcast episodes over there. We have not received our invite yet. Well, if we go, fingers I'm gonna get a, he's going to wear the shirt. I'm bringing a Cloud Accounting podcast shirt for George Clooney to wear, for sure. Deanna wrote in and said, I love your podcast for being informative and entertaining. Can you tell me your favorite app or apps for importing journal entries into QBO Advanced? I am manually entering our payroll journal entries from Paycom. I had assumed that I just needed to take the time to create a template for import, but discovered today that it's not possible. Exclamation, exclamation point, question mark. So I can jump in on that. Yeah, yeah. We, well, we, we so had- for starters- a, Go ahead. Switch to OnPay because it syncs beautifully with QuickBooks and they're a sponsor of the Cloud Gaming Podcast. But if you have to use Paycom, um, you're, I would look at, there's an app, uh, and this is going to be on like the QuickBooks app store, so apps.com. Look at Sassant. It's a good way to do that. The other thing too is I'm not, I'm, I'm actually a little confused, but Intuit bought like that spreadsheet thing, uh, DataDeer. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if DataDeer pulls data into QuickBooks Online Advanced. So in a way you might have a free, not free, but a solution built into QuickBooks Online Advanced already, because I know that the listener mentioned that. Through DataDeer? Um, I think, because data, DataDeer got purchased. But right. I'm not sure, is DataDeer a report, like getting data out or data in? Well, I think it lets you both pull in and pull out. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure if it solves that specific journal entry uh, need. But we do have a recommendation. Go look at DataDeer, go look at Sassant as options for connecting your Excel files, your CSV files to QuickBooks. And the other option is Zapier. So you could just take that file, stick it into a Google Sheet, and Zapier, every time there's a new transaction, you could create like a trigger column that says approved or something, like send to QuickBooks, and then it'll only pull those ones over and you can just use a Zap to do it. Yep. That's another option. Uh, let's see. Last one here, listener mail. No, I think that's it. Anything else, David, before we go? Um, I, I loosely saw a lot of articles this week about banks trying to hire all these people that are getting laid off from tech because a lot of a lot of these older institutions, these banks, want to be a little bit more tech savvy going forward, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so immediately maybe think like accounting firms, you are all trying to hire people. You might, you know, Microsoft laid off what, 10,000, 30,000, like all these tech companies are laying off very good employees with skills that maybe your firm could benefit from. Like maybe open up your your recruiting efforts the next three months or six months possibly because maybe that's a way for us to get more accountants in the profession. A little bit of the chat I just want to highlight before we go. Uh, this is regarding the chat GPT discussion. Matthew said, could it replace organizers as something the client has to do and make it feel like someone is interactively chatting with the client getting the same information? And Taylor said, that's a really good possibility. It could replace the entry-level tax organizers, and it could help write engagement letters. So I, I think that's something that ChatGPT could do really well, which is take the prior year return. This is basically doing what I think an entry-level associate would do at most firms. Take the prior year return, all the source documents, and make the PBC list, the list of things that you need from the client, PBC meaning prepared by client, and then go ask them for it and keep following up until you have all of the things that you need. That's not complicated. ChatGPT could do that. And 
if practice management software builds this so that you have that oversight and you can decide which messages to send, maybe you review them first and you click send, you know, that could do it. That could really speed things up because most of the time wasted in tax is getting stuff from clients and not having what you need. And then every time you open the return, you don't have what you need. So then you got to go figure out where you are and figure out what you need and go ask for it. I mean, imagine if you had everything you needed when you actually opened the return to work on it. Yeah. And you don't have that, that chasing, that context switching. Yeah. Yeah. You basically, you're basically making it be a glorified babysitter or whatever. Yeah, it's an admin, right? And, and that, but, that, but the you other shouldn't one. shouldn't need that, Blake, because you should have already fired all those clients. <laughs> but you were one of those clients that had all your shit together and you got fired, David. But no, but even then, you know, it's like I get a little, because like you're waiting on to get stuff from other things, right? Yeah. There's always this delay, right? This dance, but well, I'm full circle, yeah. That's all the time we have for this week. And as usual, I have so many stories we didn't get to on the list. I hope that we can talk about them next time. One that I definitely want to get to, how your firm's digital client experience is directly related, related to staff happiness and productivity. Getting rid of remote work will take more than a downturn. Researchers using AI to make malware. Uh, and Rocket Lawyer launched tax prep. But we'll have to wait and talk about that next week. More stuff for another yep. week. And I think by the time people listen to this, we're going to be officially in tax season, the 23rd, right? That starts Monday? Oh, when the IRS starts accepting returns? Returns, yeah. yeah I so. guess so. So uh, enjoy. Uh, I guess we'll talk to a lot of you in a couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks, everyone, who joined us live. As a reminder, follow us on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube. Just search Cloud Accounting Podcast. You'll find us. Send emails to cloudaccountingpodcast at earmarkcp.com. And... As always, you can earn free CPE credit for listening to this episode. The week after the episode drops, a course will become available on the Earmark CPE app. Get the free app, sign up, find the Cloud Accounting Podcast, take a quick five-question quiz, and you've got a whole hour of CPE. And check out federaltaxupdates.com for our new federal tax show in partnership with Paget. And listen to Oh My Fraud, listen to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast, Listen to many of the other fine podcasts, such as FP&A Today, that are now on Earmark. We have over 4,000 uh, accountants and EAs who have signed up for the app so far. And thank you to everybody who has subscribed. You can subscribe for $100 a year, and you can support our work. Uh, and it's been great. We're going to go out, raise money, and we're going to take this thing to the next level. So uh, if you have ideas for what we should do, reach out to me, Blake at EarmarkCPE.com. And then Blake's chat or responder will email you back. My chat GPT will email you back. Not yet, unfortunately. Although Google could do that very soon. I actually just saw a story about how they called back the two founders. Was it Sergey Brin and um, who's the other guy? Forgot. Uh, they actually, there's a story about how they came back to Google to like help them catch up to OpenAI. So. Uh -oh. I, I think that was they probably want, just, they want their Steve Jobs moment. I feel like that was a I feel like that was a story just to prop up the stock price at the moment, right? <laughs> but they're gonna they've they've got they've made advances. Like I don't know if you've seen this, David, but in in Google Chat, which we use instead of Slack for Earmark, when you go into a chat where you haven't checked it out for a while, there will be a little summary of the discussion at the top. That's Chat GPT. I mean, it's not the Chat GPT product, but that's no. the same type of generative AI that's reading and then summarizing. And it's hugely helpful. I can, I can read a paragraph instead of reading the whole chat thread and know what I need to look and at. And I know Microsoft's getting in bed with ChatGPT a lot and OpenAI, um, and they're going to integrate it with Bing, apparently. Because even inside chat, if I say, like, what is the URL of the Cloud Accounting Podcast, it can't give me the, the website address. And that's just like, 
some so some parts of it are like, are you kidding? Like it feels like it's super simple, right? And uh, Christopher said it's Larry Page. That's the other guy. How did Larry I forget Page, that? Right, yeah. Larry Page. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us, David. I'll see you here next week. Next week. Bye. Time for the classifieds. Is your New Year's resolution to get your firm better organized? The average firm spends more than 30% of its time sending repetitive requests to clients for information to complete their work. When you don't have what you need, your workflow is blocked and your team is frustrated. Eliminate this frustration with ClientHub. ClientHub is a modern workflow platform with deep roots in the accounting profession. Unlike traditional platforms, ClientHub is built for both your team and your clients. Get faster client responses, build better client relationships, and become a more productive firm. To schedule your demo, go to clienthub.app. That's clienthub.app. Check out Hector Garcia's new app called Right Tool for QuickBooks Online. Instantly increase your productivity with keyboard shortcuts and more. It will save you seconds. The app is free at the moment in public beta. Check them out at righttool.app. That is righttool.app. R-I-G-H-T. T-O-O-L dot app. On the Cloud Accounting Podcast, Blake and I discuss the top accounting, bookkeeping, and tax news stories each week. But for years, we've always felt like there were so many federal tax-related updates, changes, and news that we couldn't possibly ever talk about all of them on our podcast. Not to mention, we probably lacked the knowledge to go into the weeds about tax code and how it affects your clients. The host Roger Harris and Annie Schwab together have over 75 years of tax experience helping both individuals and small business owners navigate the complexities of the current tax law. Their expertise has been published in the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, the Morning Business Report, Bloomberg Business News, and Accounting Today, and even as it led to offering testimony before Congress on small business tax legislation. Listening to this podcast will save you time from scouring and digesting scores of blog sites or IRS news feeds while keeping you up to date on the latest federal tax information needed to run your tax practice and best serve your clients. And to save you even more time, CPAs and EAs can earn CPE and CE credits for listening to this podcast. And don't worry, they're both fully NASBA and IRS approved. Be sure to subscribe or follow the Federal Tax Updates podcast in your favorite podcast player today, or head to federaltaxupdates.com. That's federaltaxupdates.com. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.